ti lo que viniera de ti. Hello, this is Sunday, June 8th, 2014. Welcome to the Identifying Nelson Buscando Araberto Inside the Journey podcast. I'm John Younger. And I'm Nelson DeWitt. And we're going to talk about current events in El Salvador. All right. Um, June 1st, El Salvador inaugurated a new president, Sanchez Serin. And we wanted to focus our conversation around the historic nature of his inauguration, as well as the huge amount of violence that's been taking place in, in El Salvador recently. So that is the bottle cap. Nelson, why don't you start us out? All right. So the basis of this podcast is going to be, well, you sent me an article and I'm going to... I, I wanted to talk about these subjects and had suggested it this week because sometimes the news in El Salvador can feel a little detached for me and I'm very interested in it, um, but it can feel like just headlines, so I wanted to touch in about it. And also, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that's good, I'm saying that's unfortunate. Um, but also, a lot of people just may not even be aware of it. You know, yeah. um, El Salvador is a country the size of Massachusetts, same size, same population, roughly. And there was a weekend at the end of May where they had 80 murders in one weekend. Um, it, it, they've had a relative amount of peace for the past few years because they had a gang truce um, that was brokered, I think, by the Catholic Church. And while the government didn't officially admit it. It, had a lot, it apparently probably had some government involvement. Um, and that gang truce now seems to be in question. It seems to be disintegrating. Um, and there's a lot of violence. So the, the article in question, or the article that, that we talked about, is called, uh, Will El Salvador's New President Try to Salvage the Crumbling Gang Truth? And this is in the Christian Science Monitor. Just to give some background, like you said, a couple years ago, they had this gang truth, and you know, 81 murders is a lot in in one weekend. And the country used to have about f averaged 14 homicides a day, and then with this truth, it dropped between five and six, which is still you know an incredible amount, especially for a country the the size of Massachusetts. And you know, if you keep comparing it to that. It gives you a sense of how violent uh, life is. It can be there. And, uh, you know, while, while we were there, I want to say it wasn't, um, you don't feel threatened, but you do pick up on the violence. There are armed guards on, you know, at gas stations and hotels, and they're friendly, but, you know, they have shotguns the length of your arm, and it just... You can feel it. I would just it. say it's it's a. I would describe it as a militarized society. Like there was a civil war there, you know, twenty some odd years ago, and the while the factions put down their guns, the guns are still pretty present, right? Very much um, so. There's a large drug trade that goes through, and there's a large amount of gang activity, and literally part of the culture is that outside of almost every shop in the city, is a guy with a big shotgun. And he'll smile at you, and he's a nice guy. And I think they're not allowed to have the bullets in the gun. But, like, if you go into the local hardware store, or when I would go back to my hotel at night, there's a guy sitting on a stool who's got a big gun, um, which, which to an outsider can be quite disconcerting. Um, 
I'll say though that the guy outside the hotel was the friendliest guy I've ever met, and I really <laughs> liked him. <laughs> but he had a big gun, you know. And that contradiction is is you feel that, or you know, not contradiction, but that um, juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. Paradox. Yes. Yep, you feel that yeah. driving around. And I've heard from other people that they don't feel safe in El Salvador because of that. So, you know, you're dealing with a country that has a lot of violence that's left over from the war and that still affects the people there. You know, my my uncle, who we interviewed for the film, lost a son uh, in a carjacking, you know, and and he was shot and killed. So your uncle was in the car, right? I, yes, I believe he was. So, you know, it's just an incredibly violent um, country, and and your and, your birth mother's brother had an accident with a gun. Yep, there was a lot of gun violence. Yeah. So the the question that this article brings up, and that we kind of wanted to touch upon today, is. There was this recent presidential election, which we've talked a little bit about on the podcast before, and the new president is being sworn in. And the question is, what is he going to do or what will he be able to do about all the gang violence? Is there any way that he's going to be able to curb it and, and uh, maybe reduce it a little bit? Right. And, there, and to get give a little more background... On the president, you know, there's two main political factions in El Salvador, and there have been since really since the war, I think. One is ARENA, which is the right-wing government that was, uh, yeah, the right-wing branch, and the other is FMLN, which were the formerly the Marxist guerrillas, um, and or well, that's not that's not entirely. Some of them were Marxist, um, but they were, you know, they were. It's the left-leaning political party today, right? And Mm -hmm. the right-wing party often has had like a what's called the Manoduro stance, like the iron fist type stance towards gang violence in the past, in with past presidents. And the um, Funes, the most recent president who just left office last week, has had a, a, a more of a softer side approach. I don't know how to how to I don't know if conciliatory is the right word, but but um it seems like they were more involved in broking brokering deals. And that deal seemed to fall apart towards the end of his presidency. And and the question is this next president is also FMLN. He is the first uh basically guerrilla who you know the last FMLN president was a journalist during the war. This FMLN president was a guerrilla. He fought. He was a commander, and uh, the question is, what type of tact is he going to take, and what power will he have to just make people safe? Because right now, I would think in El Salvador, um, if if with this level of violence, everything else goes out the window. I mean, the most important thing, when you have 80 murders in a small country in a weekend, is just stopping the violence, right? Yeah. You know, I I hope. I'm going to preface my next statement by saying I I don't want to sound conspiratorial or I I don't want to suggest that this is what's happening, but it it sort of occurred to me while reading the article that, you know, the 
the arena party took this very hard stance saying that if Sanchez Seren is elected, then the gang violence will, you know, that they're soft on the gangs and that it will erupt again. And it seems like an interesting coincidence that, that that's happening uh, again, well, you know. Some of yeah. the article also said that, like, at the end of the Funes presidency, um, that essentially some important people in his government started publicly not to support the truce mm-hmm. because it was politically controversial and costing them votes, or it's, you know they felt it was politically untenable. And so some of the things that were parts of the truce, like the way they would treat gang leaders in jail, or the way they would lay off of certain areas that were gang controlled, you know, in terms of police enforcement. Some of those things stopped, and gang leaders started getting more people got arrested, and so it theorized. It went into a little detail about that. It also went into a little detail about how this could be a uh, two factions of one gang fighting for power within the gang, um, and sometimes the violence is really brazen. I mean, you had people in San Salvador in uniforms, like police uniforms, get on a bus and start and just come in and start machine gunning it. And they killed three law enforcement officers, but they killed three more people on that bus too. Well, they they were dressed as public workers, I believe. Public workers, okay. Yeah. Yep. And they and they attacked three police officers. That's sort of yeah. what the story says. So, you know, th- this um, this is stuff. bringing up a an interesting sort of side story, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I'll bring it back around. Uh, I remember on the Daily Show a couple months ago they were talking about um, gun violence in Australia and how after a mass shooting in the early, I want to say, or late 90s, early 2000s, uh, Australia really cracked down on their gun laws. And the, the point that they made is that the politician who led the, led the charge was, I believe he was on the right and doing the uh, and creating this legislation cost him his political race you know mm-hmm. and they sort of asked him why would you do that why would you sacrifice your political career for this legislation and he kind of just said this is the right thing to do but um so the the point of that was it, it sort of makes me I, i'm sort of thinking you know like politicians will do these deals but then won't you know, it's interesting that they will do the deal but won't take credit because they're worried about the political ramifications. Yeah. You know, just that contrast yeah. to me is, is interesting. I mean, clearly, when you read the article, like, there has to have been government assent to elements of the deal. Like, gang leaders were moved to different parts of prison and given certain levels of communication with the outside, and law enforcement procedures in certain areas seemed to change, and people were upset about it, too, you know. Um, Rightfully so. Like you lived in a gang area, and all of a sudden there was no law enforcement. You, you, you know, it affects your life. But um, but the trade-off was that the murder rate went down sharply for two years. Um, so. So I wanna I wanna switch it up a little bit and kind of ask you, what about this story kind of affects you personally? You know, why did you, um want to talk about it and 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 then i'll answer the same okay well we visited there and i made friends there um and and it 
I don't want to forget, you know, what life is like for them. Um, and it just, it, it, I would think that, you know, I live in Los Angeles near a large Salvin, Salvadoran population, and it still feels, it just feels kind of, it feels out of control to read about this, and it also feels a little detached to be reading it in the news. And I, I, I bet you most people, you know, you say El Salvador, and, and you say a lot of different countries' names where, you know, people don't have personal connections to, and they're like, why should I care about that? Um, and uh, it just, it's very close by, and these are, it's happening to normal people, you know, this type of violence, and it's upsetting. I also, you know, I see some news feeds on Facebook of, of like, Alex that we worked with, and, and there's a lot going on right now. So it's just, that's where I'm coming from. I, I think for me, there, there are two parts. Obviously, my family is there, and so you kind of worry about um, if if there are people going on a public bus and just opening fire. You know, that's somewhat concerning. Uh, and then the other... That's <laughs> putting just, it lightly. Yeah, just a little. Um, and then the other is, is sort of the U.S. involvement, our involvement in in that country and the effect that it's had so many years later, you know, like the, the, the violence sort of tore apart that country and continues to tear apart that country, you know? So it wasn't like we just went in there or like the, you know, the U S went in there funded one side and then it was over like this has such a long-term effect even after the actual war was over you know it still um sort of haunts the country and well you so, know it was, it was interesting in during this election to to go with your point like we would read a lot of press in the united states and it, it felt like it felt like one side had hired Karl rove i mean it felt like the right you know the arena party <laughs> The political tactics were slanderous. I mean, it was just saying that the country is going to fall apart, you know, and we're seeing a, a huge rise in violence right now. And basically, be it was at the time when Venezuela was facing a lot of public riots over a leftist leader. And, you know, with no real basis in as to why, it just was like, well, they're socialist in Venezuela, and this lead, this presidential candidate Sanchez Serin is a socialist, so your country's going to go to shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. That was it, you know? And so, anyway, to your point, it felt like there was a little bit of influence of some uh, old candidates. I don't know what the right language is there. Mm, some political... It felt like, I mean, it, it felt like it imitated the American political process, but it also felt like it was influenced by... Mm people in the American political process. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and one of the things we talked about during the election was uh, sort of certain American, pro I don't want to say, <laughs> I don't know if prominent is the right word, but certain Americans in the political 
system voicing their opposition to the FMLN yeah, you, coming you see to these right wing think tanks here that were were uh, promoting these arguments very prominently. Yeah, which you know, sort of that that part kind of angered me just because I feel like we we don't really have a say. Like you know, it's this sort of uh, double standard of saying that we believe in democracy, but then any other country in the world that we don't believe, you know, that we don't agree with their political sort of leanings, we try and undermine it and and put something that's more towards, and I'm doing air quotes, our favor, you know. That was a little uh, tough to see, I think, from the outside. Yeah. Sort well, of this uh, it's sort of... I'm stretching a little here, but at the same time, it feels a little like, you know, like the fight against Obamacare. Like if if politically you don't support it, then you're just going to try and bring everything down with it, you know, regardless of the consequences. And it feels, I think maybe this is a little bit of what you feel is in the air about the gang violence in El Salvador. I mean, I'd have to explore it more to really support that, you know, but... Yeah, yeah. Because... Because there are a lot of functions we don't fully understand, you know, like like the level to which the Funes government supported at the end, the how uncertainty during the election affected things, um, you know, what types of internal struggles amongst the gangs there are. Like, I, I need to know a little more about the truce and the inner workings. But at the yeah, same time, and and that's why I don't want to suggest that you know, this is the case or that I believe that this is some sort of like, but you know, it, un- does, it does feel a little like, yeah, like if you didn't elect us, it's going to go to hell in a handbasket. And, and then it does, quote, you know, quote unquote. And here we are, you know? Yeah. So, well, I, I guess the, uh, the situation in El Salvador will continue to evolve. Hopefully it will get better. And, um, I think this is, it, it's good to touch upon it and, you know, let's hope next time we do this sort of recap episode that the news will be better, that the violence will have um, subsided some and, you know, oh, and, and I just want to end with something that you said to me the other day, which is like, we were talking about both Su Yap and my uncle and you just kind of said, they seem like such nice people and it's such a shame that they had this happen to them that they're sort of mm-hmm. like you know that they were born in the wrong country and this happened oh, or uh, yeah i so, wouldn't say born in the wrong country right. but, but they were born in a country history they, hasn't been kind to the country of el salvador recently yeah right? that's a much better way of saying it so <laughs> yeah. yeah but um yeah i mean they just happened to live in a place where there was a bad war yeah and if you live in that place, you're going to be affected by it, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have today. But thank you for joining us. And if you'd like to learn more, head on over to inbarfilm.com. That's I-N-B-A-R film.com to learn more and sign up for updates. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye.